I was watching from the side because I couldn't afford to buy two tickets. It's a very expensive photo op with William Shatner. And for some reason, I don't know if he was having a bad day, but he had basically turned himself into a living statue. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast that deals exclusively with fun science fiction. There's a chill in the air and the spooks are being spooky, the haunts are being haunty, the jaunts are being jaunty. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore, but it's Halloween time! This is actually our second Halloween episode. We hope you caught our first one. This one's going to air today on October 28, 2020. It's an unusual Halloween, and we're going to give you a great show today. My name is Todd Kay, and with me as always is my partner in sci-fi crime and my brother, Scott Kay. How are we doing today, Scott? Doing good. It's very good. Uh, fall day makes it feel very uh, seasonal, Halloween-y. Just a little bit Halloweeny. Don't be afraid of the Halloweeny. Until you say it like that. We both really love Halloween, so we went out and tried to find another show that intersects horror or Halloween with the sci-fi genre. And I think we found an unusual choice today. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think most people will consider it borderline sci-fi, but definitely Halloween and full-on fun. For this episode, we chose a show that is not typically sci-fi, but the particular episode we're talking about today is sci-fi. So without further ado, we're talking about Community, which is a TV show that aired from 2009 to 2015, originally on NBC, and then it had the final season on the short-lived streaming service Yahoo Screen. Do you remember Yahoo Screen, Scott? Uh, the only thing I remember about Yahoo Screen is that Community was on it. Uh, Can you name your other favorite show on Yahoo Screen besides Community? <laughs> well, it was... Uh, um... <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> nope. It makes you wonder which of today's streaming services are going to disappear in five years as well. Yeah, it does make you wonder. ABC, I think their streaming service is probably going to go because it just doesn't have enough programs. Trying to put Star Trek behind a paywall isn't going to get them enough money. ABC All Access? Or is it That's CBS. CBS All Access? Putting Star Trek behind a paywall I don't think is going to work. No, they really need to come up with some other content if they're going to keep it going. In my opinion, Netflix is on the bubble. It probably doesn't seem like it because they dominated for so long, but... They lost a ton of shows when Disney came in with Disney Plus, and Disney, of course, got Star Wars, Disney got Marvel, Disney got Disney. They lost a whole lot of their shows, and now you can see a lot of things like Hallmark movies and foreign movies, and the one big thing they still have going for them, I believe, is their original content. So if they can keep up a steady stream of great original content that people really want to see, they might have a shot. But I think they're on the bubble. Yeah, they, they really are. I'm trying to remember there was one of their movies recently that we were like, ooh, that was really good. But 
I couldn't tell you the name of it for anything, though. For those who don't know, Community was an amazing comedy created by Dan Harmon, who sci-fi fans might know for Rick and Morty. Sometime, we are going to get around to finally watching Rick and Morty and putting it on the show. Take the vow with me. I vow to watch Rick and Morty. Uh, I vow to watch Rick and Morty. There we go. The main plot of Community was very simple. It was the story of seven different students of varying ages, ethnicities, and motivations who meet at a community college and form a study group. In a very short amount of time, the students in the study group become dysfunctional best friends, and they have many misadventures together. See, that sounds like a Hallmark movie itself, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. Something on Lifetime, or if you're old enough, an after-school special, but... The main plot isn't the point of community. Don't be distracted that the main plot kind of sounds lame. The main plot was just a loose framework used as a basis for parodying and spoofing all kinds of TV and film genres and tropes. It was completely amazing. And I can't say enough nice things about community. Did you like community? I really liked community. I believe I was actually the one who got you to watch community. Indeed you were. I remember you kept bugging me. I think it was the name that threw me off. Community makes me think of community organizing for a political party or community rally or community farm market. It doesn't... (laughs) Community did not scream fun show. And maybe that's ultimately why the ratings were never as great as they should have been for such an epic show. But uh, community is amazing. In fact, I would say it is one of my top favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah, it is definitely one of my top favorites of all time. No doubt about it. I think I've rewatched the entire series four times now, maybe. At least, yeah. And I still, if it pops on somewhere, I'll still sit and watch it again because it's just, it's a really, really great show. And the episode we're talking about today is one of the best episodes of the series. The actual title of the episode is Epidemiology, but we decided to call the name of our podcast episode Community Zombie Attack because we didn't think epidemiology would attract a lot of attention when people are scrolling through the podcast listings to see what they want to watch. But it's called Epidemiology. It was the sixth episode of the second season of Community. It originally aired on October 28, 2010, which means... Today is the 10th anniversary of that episode airing on TV. (laughs) Wow. Doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And when you watch it, it definitely doesn't seem that old. It really doesn't. Although the series itself has only been off the air for five years. But this was only the second season, so it was early on. As I said, this episode aired October 28, 2010. And then three days later, on October 31st, 2010, AMC's The Walking Dead premiered. I kind of think that show had some longevity to it. Yeah, just a little bit. All right, so what else was happening on TV at this time in 2010, Scott? All right, this particular episode of Community was up against. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Wait a minute. (laughs) Our last episode of Monsters vs. Aliens, Mutant Pumpkins from Outer Space was also up against the Great Pumpkin. I think every show is up against the It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I think they just show it every night, the week of Halloween. I think so. Makes a lot of sense. It's a great show. It was also playing against 
the World Series. That sounds familiar as well. Now, last time it was the World Series pregame, not the World Series itself, but... <laughs> we are speaking of our previous episode where we were looking at a different show that seemed to be up against the same competitors. And the last one's a little bit of a departure. Blank My Dad Says, starring William Shatner. Ooh, Mr. William Shatner. We might tell a story about Mr. William Shatner. The epic time that you met William Shatner. But mm -hmm. I think we're not going to do that right here at the top of the show. Because we need to continue to talk about community epidemiology. This episode was written by Carrie DeMetto who is also known for her work on Arrested Development, Portlandia, and South Park. It was directed by Anthony Hemingway, and the show stars are Joel McHale, Gillian Jacobs, Danny Pudi, Yvette Nicole Brown, Allison Brie, Ken Jeong, Jim Rash, Chevy Chase, and Donald Glover, known to those of you who are under 18 years of age as Childish Gambino. Did I pronounce all of those correctly? I believe so. Or at least got relatively close. That's quite a large cast by TV show standards, but I couldn't really picture it with any person missing. So I'm glad that they, uh, they decided to have such a large ensemble cast, as they call it. This episode also has special guest star George Takei, best known to sci-fi fans as... Lieutenant Sulu. Sulu the helmsman from Star Trek The Original Series... And George Takei is off the screen as a narrator for this episode. In community epidemiology, Greendale Community College is having a Halloween party. The dean, trying to save money, purchases taco meat for the party from a military surplus store. As the party progresses, a student becomes ill from eating the surplus meat. He turns into a zombie and bites another student, which starts the spread of the zombie plague through the party. Zombie attack! The dean calls the military store, and we find out that the military surplus taco meat is actually some kind of top-secret government bioproject that was mistakenly sold to the dean. The army tells him to contain the infected and that they will arrive in six hours to solve the problem. The dean has no choice but to barricade the doors, locking our main characters inside the zombie party. Sounds like a very serious... Kind of typical zombie story, doesn't it? Yep, very typical. It's outbreaks spread by bites. But in reality, this episode was actually more of a parody of zombie movie tropes. In my opinion, it's pure comic gold. And perhaps one of the best episodes of the entire Community series. Actually, in my opinion, it might be one of the best Halloween episodes of any TV show ever. Not to be too hyperbolic about it, but I just really love Community and I really love this episode. Uh, Community is not typically a sci-fi show, but the show likes to take well-known TV and film genres and twist them into fantastic comedy parodies. And in this episode, they're playing with the modern zombie genre. There's also a lot of sci-fi references in this episode, so we thought it would be perfect for our second Halloween episode of the month. Did you enjoy this episode? Do you think it's worthy? Uh, it is definitely worthy. It's arguably one of the best episodes of Community. And as you said, one of the best, you know, Halloween takes on a running sitcom. 
once it gets going, the party starts out and they're they're doing their little quips. There's a lot of interaction between the cast and they're kind of a dysfunctional family, really. As I said, they're different ages. As you will find when you go to community college, there's all kinds of different different people that you would meet. And maybe it's a bit more diverse than when you go to a four-year school. Because you and I both went to the fantastic Mott Community College in Flint, Michigan before going to Central Michigan University. And I think Mott was about, what would you say, 450,000 times more diverse than Central Michigan, (laughs) especially back at that time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Definitely was. So that's what you get when you have it in a a moderately sized city versus being in the middle of a (laughs) cornfield. Exactly. So the party gets going and it eventually comes out that the dean bought some tainted meat. Now, how how you buy experimental meat developed by the army at a military surplus store, I don't understand. Because <laughs> most military surplus stores these days, they don't even actually have a whole lot of mili- actual military surplus. They find things on China that they can buy cheap and they resell them. Just things along a military surplus theme. But as far as actual military surplus, you don't really see a lot of it. And I think it's because the military can now sell it directly on eBay if they want. (laughs) But it's a funny storyline for the show. We also don't exactly know why it's going to take the army six hours to get to the school. But for the plot to work, the party has to have time to escalate. And it starts with the oldest member of community who is a senior citizen who has decided to go back to community college just because he needs something to do and he wants some friends. Uh, His name is Pierce and he's actually dressed as Captain Kirk. And he starts to look really ill because of the early effects of the zombie transformation. And another character says to him, whoa, hey, if you get any more sweaty and puffy, your costume's going to reach new levels of authenticity. It's definitely a shot at William Shatner, who played Captain Kirk on the original Star Trek series. But considering we have personal beef with Shatner, I'll allow it. <laughs> so should I tell them the story about our personal beef with William Shatner? Uh, if you want to. Actually, I think I'm going to have you tell the living statue story from <laughs> the Las Vegas Star Trek convention, where I purchased as a special gift to my beloved brother. Yay! I purchased... A ticket so that he could actually have a photo op with the one and only William Shatner, who we have both idolized since our youth. And how did that go, Scott? It was very exciting. I was in a very long line. I think it was probably about an hour long wait. You would see people go up. This was inside a convention center and even inside of there. It was kind of separated out into its own little tent. So you couldn't really see what was going on. As you get closer, you see people going into this tent and there'd be a flash and then they're coming out happy, smiling, laughing, whatever. I finally got up there, got there for my turn, walked up to William Shatner, said, hey, and there was silence. And then I'm just like, okay, I guess I will pose over here because the guy behind the camera is like, you know, kind of giving hand gestures like, all right, get in place and he goes, all right, smile. And I smiled. Shatner still hadn't budged an inch. Then they ushered me out. I was watching from the side because I couldn't afford to buy two tickets. It's a very expensive photo op with it's William still Shatner. still awesome, though. 
<laughs> and for some reason, I don't know if he was having a bad day or if he was feeling ill or he just didn't want to be there at the photo op, but he had basically turned himself into a living statue. Scott came in and it wasn't just you. I actually saw the people before you and the people yeah. after you and he didn't budge. He looked, I actually thought he might've been made out of wax for a minute, but he scratched his cheek once. For some reason, he just went into statue mode. Like, okay, these people are going to take their photos with me, but that's all they're getting. No interaction, no smile, no, hey, glad to see you. Thanks for being my fan. Just, I'm going to stand there and be a prop in their photo. Yeah. And maybe that was his point. And the funny thing, or it would have been funny if it wouldn't have cost so much to meet Mr. Shatner, is that directly next to him was a photo op with who? Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock on the original series. And Leonard Nimoy appeared to be the warmest, most friendly man alive. He was shaking hands. He was kissing babies. It was like he was running for president. <laughs> he was putting his arms around his fans and taking photos like he thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then right in the tent next to him, good old William Shatner is doing his living statue impression where he doesn't move. He doesn't look at you. He doesn't greet you. He doesn't say anything. Doesn't shake your hand. He just stands there like a rock. And I could have really, uh, really killed him that day. <laughs> I was super disappointed. But you do have an awesome photo with William Shatner that blows people's minds. Yes, it does. Yeah, we'll have to put that up on the Twitter or something. So Shatner, if you're out there, we're, we don't actually have beef with you because I understand something could have been going on that we don't know about. You might not have been feeling well. Or you might have been having a problem with the convention people, whatever it was. But I got to tell you, buddy, if you're doing photo ops with your fans, if you're going to do them, you got to be friendly and pretend like you like them. Yep. I was even prepared to blow his mind and tell him that I was loving all his work, including at the time he was on a show called Boston Legal. But no, I got the living statue. I did see him breathe once, though. So there was, you know, just gentle breathing motion. Confirmation of life. But that's our William Shatter story. And anyway, in uh, community epidemiology, or as we call it, zombie attack, the oldest member of the study group is dressed up as William Shatner. And he, we don't know if he ate all the taco meat himself or if he was just <laughs> the first one to eat the taco meat. If you look really closely at the packaging, the taco meat not only states that it's a biohazard, but it also has a pictogram showing that if you eat it, you will turn into a zombie. So I don't know how the Dean missed that. I think he just really needed to save money. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that little icon as well. Yep, it's right on there. You kind of have to freeze it. I saw something on there and you freeze it and you're like, oh, it's a pictogram <laughs> and it clearly shows that if you eat it, you will turn into a zombie. That's awesome. There are many various sci-fi kinds of uh, references during this episode. Another one, uh, two other characters who are best friends and have, I think, kind of think it might've been where the term bromance started. They are definitely a platonic couple and super best friends. And as one of them gets out the window to escape and the other one sacrificed himself to slow the zombies down, he looks up at his friend and says, I love you. To which his friend replies, I know. Of course, recreating the scene from Empire Strikes Back, where Han Solo says, I know, to Princess Leia's I love you. Wouldn't you love to be cool enough to use that in real life? <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. 
We are both single gentlemen. And the next time some lady says, I love you for the first time, just go, I know. And if she doesn't get it, then she is not worthy. (laughs) All right. We all know that if somebody says it, we're going to go, I love you too, honey. Because it's a lonely, lonely world out there. (laughs) Because I'm a horror movie fan, I can tell you that when another character named Annie is wrestled out the window by a zombie horde, it's actually a recreation of a shot from Shaun of the Dead, which itself is a recreation of a similar shot from Day of the Dead from 1985. So we're getting to the point where zombies are, I think, kind of being overdone now that we're in uh, 2020, maybe even the, the late teens. There's been a lot of zombies, but now where we're actually doing... An homage to an homage. Exactly. <laughs> we're going double homage deep. It might be time to bring out some other monsters, maybe. Maybe. What did you think of the general party atmosphere in the Halloween episode? They had a Halloween party. It wasn't a dance, which is surprising, because on community, they seem to have a lot of dances for a community college. Like, I don't remember our community college ever having a single dance, let alone multiple theme dances per year. No, no, definitely. Well, I, I suppose it might have, but I wasn't aware of any. Uh I wish our community college had a Halloween dance, but for some reason, that was not high on their priority list. They wanted us to go to classes, which we did sometimes. If we weren't <laughs> playing pool or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever the heck else we did. Seems like we played a lot of Euchre. Yeah. I don't know how we ever got into a university after that, <laughs> but I think much like Greendale, our Community college's standards weren't that high. They were trying to be welcoming to everyone, and we took full advantage of that. Anyway, getting back to community epidemiology, or as we call it, zombie attack. And I keep saying it that way because one of the characters, as soon as they actually realize that they're in the middle of a zombie scenario, calls out, zombie attack! (laughs) And if you know the character, it's hilariously funny. If you don't, it might even be kind of annoying. I've only done it four times now. I think it'd still be funny. If I could do it six more times, then maybe I could start annoying people. Well, only one way to find out. As we do on every episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, Scott and I both pick our top three fun moments from the movie or TV show that we're talking about that week. And I think we're going to have Scott kick it off this week with his number three top moment, which I have not heard. All right, number three actually takes us towards the end of the show. Three of the characters, Jeff, Abed, and Troy, are in the basement trying to find an escape from the party. And as they're walking through this very dungeon-esque basement, it's very dark and a little cloudy, actually a little foggy going on. All of a sudden, a cat just goes whipping in front of them and makes the cat noise. And then they're like, oh, it's just a cat, okay. Then they continue forward, and then meow, there goes the cat again, and they're like, ah, meow, the classic the horror movie jump scare when the cat jumps across oh, yeah. your path. So around the third or fourth time, they're like, what the heck is going on with this cat? Is somebody throwing it? It's, I just like it. Which is hilarious, because I would bet money there was somebody throwing it off screen. Well, thinking hand. back on it, I don't know that I actually saw a cat. I think it was almost all sound effect. Ah, uh, there was some kind of body being tossed back and forth, because I was pausing that as well to see what I could check out, but it was a little blurry. <laughs> that is an excellent number three top fun moment. My number three top fun moment is one of the characters 
is kind of the cool guy of the study group. His name is Jeff. And another character, female character named Britta, is speaking to him. And Jeff is dressed as soccer star and male model David Beckham. Britta says to Jeff, I wonder how much effort you put into being accidentally handsome for a costume every year. (laughs) I think we all know people like that. Who There are people who get Halloween and who dress to have fun or dress to be scary. And then there are people who try to make Halloween into the sexy show. (laughs) Now, granted, I sometimes like the sexy show, but I think it kind of misses the point of Halloween. The point of Halloween is not to see how small of a costume you can possibly wear. The sexy sanitation worker outfit. Oh, we could tell the sanitation worker story. (laughs) Just to be quick, because we're really getting off track of this episode, because we love to talk about Halloween so much. Like most towns, we had multiple Halloween stores that would pop up around the Halloween season. And there, we live in a college town, and there was one store that popped up right next to campus. And it was kind of known as the sexy Halloween costume store. I used to go in there because they had a different selection than the other stores in town. They had some non-sexy things and colored hairspray and all kinds of fun blood makeup and horror makeup and fur and whatnot. But their main thing was sexy costumes, which they sold to the people that attended the college. And for some reason, we walked in there. The first time we walked in, I got it into my head that I was going to ask for a sexy costume that made no sense. So like Scott said, I remember one time, one of them was, hey, do you have any sexy sanitation worker outfits? The best part was that the person that was being asked would actually check for it in a book. He'd be like, oh, well, let me see. She'd be like, oh, let me check, sir. <laughs> But you know, in her mind, she had her her reels yeah. had to be going like, "What is he talking about? Oh, do you have the sexy Undertaker costume?" I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? I don't know." My number three most top fun moment was actually kind of repeated later. I'm going to count this as also number three. So later, they basically use the exact same joke where another character looks at Jeff and he's distressed because Jeff gets all the girls and he doesn't, and he says, "I don't get it. How do you do it?" Jeff says, well, I'm wearing a $6,000 suit and you spent three days making cardboard robot armor. The other character says, so you're saying they feel sorry for you? And Jeff says, I'm saying I remind girls less of taking their little brothers to (laughs) Comic-Con. I do love that the other character whose name is Troy, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. I love that his first thought is that Jeff missed out on the fun of working on a kick-butt sci-fi Halloween costume. He doesn't understand exactly what Jeff's saying. When I think back about sci-fi Halloween costumes, the only one I remember wearing was one of those old school costumes for young kids. And I was Chewbacca from Star Wars. Nice. That costume came with cheap hard plastic mask uh, that was held to your face with an elastic (laughs) band. And it had a pair of cheap brown vinyl pants. And then the part I really don't understand now when I look back on it is it had a cheap vinyl shirt, which did have some fake Wookiee hair printed on it. But then inexplicably, it had a picture of Chewbacca's face on the front of it with the name Star Wars right next to his face. I don't understand this shirt at all. If you dress as Slender Man for Halloween, you don't wear a shirt that looks like a Slender Man fan shirt as part of your costume. My guess is the costume company probably paid a lot to license Star Wars characters, and they wanted to be absolutely certain that you understood you were buying an official Star Wars costume. At least that's my guess. Do you remember doing any sci-fi costumes over the years? 
Well, I know you did Wolfman, who... Is actually, he he's sci-fi more sci-fi or fantasy? It depends on, yeah, which version of Wolfman you're watching, whether he was turned by the moon or whether it was genetics, bloodline, or something changed him into a wolf. That Wolfman outfit was intense because seems like our, our mother, bless her heart, ended up uh, like cutting little chunks of hair off of a wig and literally gluing it to my face. So and, this and was not hands. a plastic mask. This was like actual wig hair glued to my face to become the Wolfman. Glued to your face and I think your hands. And man. my hands, yep. It was awesome. It was a great Wolfman. It only took us two and a half years to get it off. <laughs> I remember when you finally graduated and we shaved it down enough that they could take the photo with your yeah. cap and gown. So what's your number Jeez. two top fun moment in community epidemiology? Actually, it kind of plays off of your, your number three and a half moment there with Troy and Jeff. It is actually before that. And it starts out with two girls in moderately sexy whatever outfits. And then all of a sudden, Abed pops out in all black and hissing strangely and weirdly like a monster. Abed is another character from the study group who is kind of the strange, interesting weirdo of the group. Yep. So he jumps out, gives them a little jump scare, and then Troy comes in and you hear him say, step away from the hotties, you weirdo. And then you see him come in. He's wearing the aforementioned cardboard and PVC outfit that kind of makes him look like he was a fighting alien from the movie Aliens. Well, Abed is clearly dressed as the alien from the Alien series, and Troy is dressed as the power loader from Aliens that the female lead uses to fight the alien to give herself enough power. It kind of looks like a robotic exoskeleton, uh, very large, and Troy has made his own version out of PVC pipe. That is an excellent moment, and it kind of leads into mine. Number two, top fun moment in community epidemiology. That same character who is dressed as the power loader from Aliens. At the end, he is one of the last people to survive. And he finds a way to cure everyone by turning down the temperature. It turns out that you can actually reverse the zombie plague. Unlike most movies where the zombies are just lost forever. Um, but he needs to get to the actual temperature gauge so he can turn it down. He's dressed up as the power loader from Aliens, and he finally believes in the power of himself and the power of sci-fi, and he dives right in to a whole pile of zombies and says, that's right, prepare to meet the power of imagination. And then it immediately fails because it's just a Halloween costume made out of PVC pipe. So the zombies rip it apart with the greatest of ease. <laughs> and then he says, I don't know why I thought that would work. Hilarious, because <laughs> as Dan Harmon does many times throughout the series, he takes us to a moment that would totally work in another show. You believe in yourself, you learn to believe in the power of yourself and friendship and the whole thing, and you run in, but he subverts expectations by having it completely fail, and I really, really loved it. Yeah, it's an excellent moment. Excellent. And what is your number one top fun moment from community epidemiology? Uh, Troy, after being embarrassed by Jeff, leaves screen for a minute and then comes back 
takes his shirt off. He's apparently wearing something that looks like a, a toilet seat cover around his neck. Just so you know, we're still talking childish Gambino here. Yes. And it says Dracula on the toilet seat cover. Abed asks him what he's doing. And he goes, I'm a sexy Dracula. And Abed says, I think you mean vampire. Then Troy's reply is, I don't need to know which Dracula I am to be a Dracula. It's hilarious. He's gone into the bathroom. He's tired of doing sci-fi with his friend and being part of the alien's costume. So he makes a very quick makeshift sexy vampire costume. But for some reason, he keeps calling it a Dracula costume. And then we noticed even at the beginning, George Takei, who's doing the narration, mentions Draculas instead of vampires. So they actually tied it together. It was really nicely done. My number one top fun moment from community epidemiology is really similar. You and I picked moments that happened close to each other or (laughs) with the same characters. We are still with Troy and Abed. Troy is kind of the reformed jock and Abed is kind of weirdo. And as I mentioned earlier, they have the bromance to end all bromances. They are super best friends. And part of the theme of the entire show uh, or the entire episode, kind of the, the entire series, but also this episode in particular is Troy, Childish Gambino, is kind of becoming more of a geek through hanging out with his new best friend, Abed, that he meets at community college. Because Abed is like us. Super sci-fi geek, super movie geek, super everything geek, really into pop culture references, really into TV references, film references. And Troy is really disappointed at this party when doing a costume with Abed makes it so the girls don't like him and don't take him seriously. So Troy kind of gets into it. My number one top fun moment is Troy is calling Abed a nerd and Abed says, What's a nerd? Does committing to an awesome Halloween costume with your best friend make you a nerd? And that kind of tugged on my heartstrings a little bit. (laughs) Made me happy. I was like, wow, that's a really good point. And at some point in the episode, as I mentioned for my number two near the end, Troy finally realizes that his friendship with Abed is more valuable than appearing cool. And apparently more valuable than his life. Because if you attack a bunch of zombies with a PVC (laughs) robot loader costume... You are going to die. As we do every week on Super Sci-Fi Party, we're going to take a look at the music from our subject of the week. And the person who does the score for Community is a composer named Ludwig Göransson, who is best known for Black Panther, Creed, and The Mandalorian. Nice. Have you ever heard of any of those movies, Scott? Yeah, I've heard of a few of those. Apparently, he got his start doing weekly episodic television for Community. Huh. There's actually very little score, uh, instrumental music, instrumental background music in this episode because it's a Halloween party. And because the Dean is really cheap, not only does he buy biotech refuse taco meat from the military... (laughs) But he also decides to DJ the party with his own iPhone, and he actually puts the playlist on, and someone comes up to him at the party, one of the characters, and says, uh, Dean, do you know that we're getting music, but we're also getting your voice memos through the DJ system? And you can actually hear the Dean, the song will play, and then you'll hear something from his voice memos, one of the voice memo tracks, and it said he said something about renting human centipede. <laughs> 
disgusting. Have not seen, have only seen parodies, will not see the original. But I thought that was really cool because there's a lot of parties and low rent events nowadays where people DJ themselves with their phone and it can definitely lead to some accidents if you're not careful. The main soundtrack for this episode is the Dean's playlist, which seems to be wall to wall ABBA. <laughs> I don't really remember a lot of ABBA growing up. I knew it existed and I thought it was an interesting name, but I don't really recall a whole lot of the songs. Yeah, we, we were definitely aware of the name ABBA, but I mean, at the time, couldn't really tell you a, a song by them. We were more rock, hard rock and metal fans, so ABBA wasn't wasn't a big thing to us, though I have come to appreciate some of it in my old age. Definitely. There's a great scene in the episode uh, right when the group, the study group, realizes it's a zombie attack, and all of a sudden, ABBA Dancing Queen starts blasting <laughs> through the PA system, which is, of course, going for a comedic juxtaposition between the zombie carnage of eating people alive and a song from the 70s, I think 70s, 80s, 70s. It sounds very disco. Dancing Queen. <laughs> na, 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 na. I don't know any other words besides Dancing Queen. Seventy, maybe I don't know. Quarantine. What else rhymes with Dancing Queen? I don't know. But uh, Dancing Queen is the one big ABBA song that I recognize. Uh, there's also Fernando, which happens right as they lower the air temperature, which turns the zombies back into humans. And some of the lyrics for Fernando are, There was something in the air that night. The stars were bright, Fernando. So they use the something in the air line right as they're turning the AC up to cold to try to make nice. it so the zombies will revert back to their human form. The soundtrack is wall-to-wall ABBA. There's a whole bunch of different ABBA songs, and I bet they spent a lot of budget because ABBA has kind of come back into favor in the last few years as far as classic pop goes. There's also uh, an obscure music reference as the main character from the study group, Jeff, the handsome costume guy, calls 911 and he can't get through and he comments that Flavor Flav was right, which I looked it up because we didn't catch it right away. Flavor Flav is a member of an old classic rap group called Public Enemy and Jeff called 911 and couldn't get through and he said Flavor Flav was right and apparently references a song by Public Enemy called 911 is a joke. <laughs> I would like to say that 911 is not a joke. Just because we have an aunt that works for 911, she might listen to this podcast. <laughs> and they work very hard down there to try to keep you safe. But it was funny if you knew the reference. Um, that's pretty much all there was for music. There was a little tiny bit of score, and then there was ABBA. It really juxtaposed nicely against the zombies and the ripping flesh. The show doesn't get too gross, but there are some regular full-on zombie attacks, but they're always played it for the punchline. True. Like Mr. Cool Guy, Jeff finally gets pulled away by a horde of zombies. And instead of be worrying about the fact that they're starting to eat his flesh, he keeps worrying about his $6,000 suit. <laughs> they're wrinkling the suit. Ah, the suit. As they're tearing into his flesh through his clothes. So it's fantastic. I just don't have enough nice things to say about this episode of Community. Do you have anything else to say for Community Epidemiology? Excellent show. Awesome episode. Find it. Watch it. I believe it's on Netflix nowadays. 
As of October 2020, Community is still on Netflix. I suggest you get it while you can, because I think it's going to be one of those that comes and goes and gets sold and... It's kind of had a resurgence online. I noticed there's a lot of talk about community and they did a community read through of an old episode like a lot of shows have been doing for E! Entertainment. Well, they'll all get on a Zoom chat and read an old episode. And that was one of the more highly rated reunion Zoom chats that the E! Network has done. Uh, There's a lot of interest in community right now. And I think I would not be surprised if they end up doing a community TV movie. We would all love to see that. All right, so that wraps it up for Community Epidemiology, or as we call it, Zombie Attack on Super Sci-Fi Party. Let's applaud ourselves again. Yay, us. I still don't know why people applaud themselves at the end of shows, but they do it, so we're going to do it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, but be sure to check back with us on October 31st, 2020. Yes, check back on Halloween when we'll be doing a very special live Halloween episode. And believe me, you do not want to miss it. Are you excited about the live episode, Scott? Very curious. Uh, guess we're excited as well. Yeah, we don't have it all figured out yet, but if we can figure out the technology, we're going to be doing a special live episode. And if you can't make it because you're going to a community college Halloween party to be eaten by zombies, uh, we will post <laughs> the episode completely uncut and unedited so you don't have to miss out on the fun. So if you can't make it on Halloween night, please check back and join us for all the Halloween fun. You'll be able to see it in a regular podcast feed. If you want to learn more about Super Sci-Fi Party, you can visit us at com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Also, if you like us, please leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like us... Pretend I never said anything about that. (laughs) And this is really, really important. We are a brand spanking new podcast. At this point in time, the thing we need the most from any fan out there is if you know, if you're a sci-fi fan and you know another sci-fi fan or a sci-fi friend or a sci-fi aunt or sci-fi zombified friend, whatever it is, please tell them about Super Sci-Fi Party. Please send them a link and say, hey... Sometimes these guys kind of say fun things about sci-fi. You might want to check it out and it'll make you look like the awesome guy who turned them on to something cool. So please, 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 I zombie beg you to share Super Sci-Fi Party with your friends and family who are into sci-fi. So for Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Gay. And I'm Scott Gay. In the immortal words of Doc Brown, your future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. Have a great Halloween, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. See you.